Etchstone Properties is a leading home builder in southern New Hampshire. With over 33 years experience, Etchstone offers highly valued residential homes, including first-time buyer, luxury move-up, and senior community opportunities. Etchstone also offers well-located rental apartments, including active adult communities. Visit us at etchstoneproperties.com or call us at 603-889-5208 to learn more. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. That's 603-889-5208. Next up, you'll be listening to United Way Community Connections with Mike Affelberg. United Way Community Connections. United Way Community Connections broadcasts every Monday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. right here on WSMN. In United Way Community Connections, you will be introduced to leaders from all of the great nonprofits in Greater Nashua. From caring for our children to our seniors. From helping our homeless pets to our at-risk vets. From learning the skills to get your GED to dealing with trauma and substance abuse. Community Connections is the place to learn with Mike Affelberg about what's going on. Learn how you can help and make a difference from the experts. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy the show, which is making a difference in Greater Nashua. Here's your host, Mike Affelberg. And a good Monday morning. Welcome to the United Way Community Connection Show. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. We are here each and every Monday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. talking about uh, what's going on in our community from a nonprofit perspective. Each week we interview two different nonprofit organizations, talk with them about what they're doing to make our community a better place to live and work. Um, you know, a couple of reasons why you might want to listen into the show. First of all, there are many nonprofits in our community. There are, in fact, hundreds of registered nonprofits in the greater Nashua area. And um, many people want to find out, how do I get connected to services? Well, there is probably a service for available for pretty darn near anything that you might need in our community, whether it be recovery supports, housing supports, um, fuel assistance, um, help with child care, um, help with pet adoption, you name it. These are all of the things that nonprofits in our community do day in and day out. So um, you're going to hear about those organizations by listening to this show each week. Over the course of a year, we have interviewed um, 100 different organizations. We've been at it for three years now. So we're pushing a couple hundred different organizations have been on the radio talking about their missions what they're doing, um, and what services they offer. Um, that way, when uh, you get to the holiday table or a summer picnic or whatever the case may be, and somebody mentions that they're trying to do something or they have a need, you can be a person who can be helpful. And I find that people really want to be helpful. Sometimes they just don't know. And perhaps something here you can help you to uh, pass along that information. Of course, I also always will tell people call 211 for additional resources. 211 is a telephone number. Dial it from any 603 area code and you're going to get professional staff um, at, a, at a call center which is operated by Granite United Way, our sister to the north. And it's the statewide referral resource network for nonprofit work. It's a database, and there are operators there that can help connect you to a wide variety of different services. It's free, and it is confidential and supported by every United Way in the state. So call 211. But, uh, you know, two other reasons why people might want to listen into the show. First of all, people are very generous. Actually, first and second of all, people are very generous. And uh, typically, they're generous with both their time as volunteers 
and also with their treasure as uh, donors. And so um, if you want to support an organization and you just don't know what organizations are out there, by listening and learning and hearing about people's missions and what their volunteer needs are or their resource needs are, you can also make sure that you're making the biggest difference you possibly can in your community and doing so in a way which also touches your heart. So that's kind of why you would listen to the United Way Community Connection Show. Um, As I said, we're here each and every Monday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. We are live on Facebook as well. If you go to the United Way of Greater Nashua Facebook page, you can uh, see our live feed. It's already up and running. I I, uh, see that somebody already even clicked on like. I don't know whether that means that if they like me or they like the picture or they like our show. Um, but in any case, it's nice to be liked. So whoever you are, thank you for joining the show today. This is also the best way to ask questions or leave comments. If you want to, to pose a question to one of our audi- our uh, speakers or our interviewees today, please do so on Facebook, United Way of Greater Nashville's Facebook feed. A uh, couple things going on. First of all, I'm hoping everybody had a magnificent week uh, weekend. Rather, it was beautiful. Um, it was really, really warm. Surprisingly warm. I don't know even if the weather people thought it was going to be that warm, but it was super nice. Um, you know, I know that my wife and I had the chance to go out for a couple of walks and take the bikes out and um, you know do a little bit of uh, riding around, and it was just really just glorious. So, hope everybody had a really nice weekend. I know here in Nashua they had the New England Roots Festival. Couldn't have asked for better weather for that music event. Fantastic job, great, great uh, big. Props to uh, Paul Shea and Great America Downtown for bringing that once again to our community. Uh, by the way, if you haven't had a chance to walk up and down Main Street lately, you'll see lots and lots of scarecrows out there. Those are scarecrows that are put out by a lot of nonprofit organizations in our community. It's a fundraiser for Great America Downtown. If you happen to be walking across the bridge by Peddler's Daughter, you'll see the United Way of Greater Nashua Scarecrow put together by my colleague Sarah Caesar. Sarah's got the she's the got the artsy thumb in our in our little organization and put together that scarecrow, which I actually think is really scary. <laughs> um, so um, you know, also you can go to Great America Downtown's um, online presence and vote for these. So support your favorite scarecrow, and I don't know what we win, but we're not going to win anyway because there's some where's ours is good better than it's been in the past but there are some that are just like awesome so anyway vote for your favorite scarecrow last week was pretty pretty great week for me for us at united way we started out we've kicking in our our uh, workplace campaign into high gear uh, i started out wa- last week on monday at 7 30 in the morning with our friends from enterprise bank over on amherst street all the all the branch representatives from amherst street from main street and from hudson came over to the branch and we sat down and talked about united way campaign and we had a visitor guest from the youth council join us and Donna Arias, and she was great. Talked a little bit about what they do and about our partnership. And it was really nice just to meet with our friends from Enterprise Bank. Really good folks over there and very supportive. Um, This week, we're actually going to be having a couple of more campaign events related to the United Way Annual Workplace Giving. And these two this week are at Penichuk Waterworks. Penichuk is on Friday morning. At 7 a.m., it's it's early morning, but that is uh, that's what they do. You know, the water you turn on the faucet, the water comes out. Somebody makes that happen. That's our friends from Penichuk, and so they're really supportive of the United Way Workplace campaign as well. 
Wanted to give a shout out to Men's Warehouse. On Wednesday, we picked up a really large donation of um, new suits, also some used suits that were from the dry cleaners, um, a, a, like a full truckload of um, men's apparel, which we're going to be sorting through this week and next week, and then distributing out to our partners in the community, including Harbor Homes and the Nashua Soup Kitchen and Shelter, um, the Southern New Hampshire Rescue Mission organizations that have uh, men who are re-entering the workforce and um, you know coming uh, coming by a good good um, quality suit is sometimes very expensive and so we're super appreciative for men's warehouse making this generous donation back to our community thank you guys so much Wednesday evening was the best of Sohegan Valley. Lots and lots of great winners, including some of our supporters. I want to give a huge shout-out to the National Telegraph and the Sohegan Valley Chamber of Commerce for putting together a fantastic event. It was really awesome. I was there and really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, some of our favorite winners, well, uh, amongst others, include our friends from, from uh, Bangor Bank, who also sponsored the event, but is also one of our sponsoring partners, and we really appreciate them. They, they uh, help us out with our days of caring, and we love that. And also the Milford Family Dental. Um, they're a, an annual sponsor of our days of caring as well, and they were a winner of Best of Sohegan, I think, for the like 28th time or something. They're great dentists. They've actually been my personal dentist for many years now, so I love I love them as well. Anyway, last but not least for last week on Friday, we had – our monthly coffee and causes. What is coffee and causes? Well, if you see this on the United Way of Greater National website or Facebook page, what that is is we're we're working toward creating a community of retirees and pre-retirees who would like to come together and learn about different issues in our community, and then also learn about what they can do to address those issues. Come together around some projects um, and just uh, work together to do some good. So Coffee and Causes was at the Nashville Public Library Friday morning. We had about 20 people or so in attendance. And the topic this month was, you know, depression and mental illness. Big issues in our community, affects uh, affecting all walks of life. But uh, in particular, the, uh, the, you know, the elderly folks that are um, experiencing isolation and perhaps homebound are subject to um, some serious depression. And so we had a, one speaker in, <laughs> Mel Moran, who's also a, a candidate for Alderman at Large, may I add. Mel was in, and he's a psychologist, and spoke with us about uh, um, the issues around that and what people can do, in particular the idea of mental um, health first aid. And now, if you haven't heard of mental health first aid, what that is basically is the concept of first aid, like we all learned in the Red Cross or I mean, I learned first aid in Boy Scouts, and you know, there it's about uh, tourniquets and bandages and applying pressure and um, recognizing when somebody's having a stroke and that kind of thing. Translating that into the mental health world, basically what you're looking to do is recognize the signs and symptoms of different types of ment <coughs> mental illness. Excuse me, I got a frog in my throat. Different types of mental illness and uh, talking with folks about um, you know, some basic triage, what's the best next step. And uh, so Mel is putting together a training for that. It's an eight-hour training, and it's a certified program, um, which is really pretty great. And um, more to come on that, but I think that that was really, really uh, worthwhile hearing for the folks who did participate. So watch for that on a monthly basis. Um, my colleague Sarah puts those together, 
and it's called Coffee and Causes. So um, we also had NAMI New Hampshire and CASA and the Soup Kitchen Shelter there talking about some of the opportunities for people to volunteer in the community. And volunteering, we know, is one of the best ways to get connected. If you're connected, you're much less likely to experience isolation. If you don't experience isolation, you're less likely to be depressed. Um, you know, it's the great circle of life, right? You help the community and you're helping yourself simultaneously. What more of a win-win could you ask for than that? That's what volunteering is all about. This is going to be a pretty busy week um, in the community and also at United Way. On Wednesday, a couple things I wanted to just mention that are coming up. I have a uh, some uh, events that I wanted to point out to people. On Wednesday is the Public Health Department's annual conference. It's at the Courtyard Marriott. You can find information on their website. The Public Health Department's website is off of the city website. And it's open to the public. Um, you can, I believe, still register. Um, and the topic this year is going to be ACEs, or Adverse Childhood Experiences. Very important topic, very timely topic. And um, looking at it from a wide variety of different perspectives, that is an all-day conference. There is a marginal fee; I think it's twenty dollars or something, and it includes lunch and you know coffee breaks and stuff like that. So I would totally recommend if you're interested in learning about average childhood experiences and learning about what's going on in the in the in the community around Aces, that's really a great opportunity for you. Wednesday evening, the National Prevention Coalition, I say Wednesday afternoon, I should say, at 3 p.m., the National Prevention Coalition, which works to help kids, help our youth, and help our community stay drug-free, is meeting at United Way for their monthly uh, meeting. That is at 3 p.m. And on Thursday afternoon at 3.30 p.m., the One Greater Nashua Coalition, which works to make our community just as welcoming as possible to immigrants and refugees and make sure that everybody feels like Nashua is just a, a great place to call home, is meeting also at United Way at 3.30 p.m. So that's a little bit about what's going on. Um, I should also say, you know, before we hit the break, that we do have some guests who are going to be joining us today, as we always do. Um, after our first break, my colleague Liz Fitzgerald is going to join us. Liz is our Director of Community Impact, and, and um, she works in the community on, amongst other things, our community assessment process, which is how we measure what's going on and how we can tell, um, you know, how we're doing as a community. Are we getting better? Are we getting worse? Where do we need to focus our efforts? Um, we like to use data, and Liz is a data person, so she's going to uh, be talking about that process, as well as our community investment process. Community investment is how we make grants in the community, and that is driven also by the assessment process. So we use data, and then we use volunteers, and then we make grants in the community. It's kind of a really fantastic cycle. It's kind of the United Way secret sauce, if you ask me. So she's going to talk about that. And then we're going to have a program on called the Friends Program. Now, I don't know much about the Friends Program, so you and I are all going to listen, learn at the same time from Nancy Paul, who's at the Friends Program. And that will be our hour for interviews. You're listening to the United Way Community Connection Show, and I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. As I said, we're here each and every Monday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Just a couple of quick items I wanted to mention. Before our break, um, this evening at um, Chunky's is a program, a showing of the movie Resilience, and that's put on by the Public Health Department, and that is at Chunky Cinema this evening. You can still register at bit.ly front slash dphcs, um, and you'll find that um, right there. It's a pretty great movie to see. 
Um, Red Ribbon Week is coming up. I'm going to have some call-outs in a couple weeks about all the activities, but that's the week of October 21st is Red Ribbon Week, and we're going to have a lot of great programming put on by the Prevention Coalition. Um, in uh, about two weeks, there's going to be a summit I wanted to mention to people on the subject of human trafficking. That's going to be down at Southern New Hampshire Health um, on Prospect Street, and I'll be telling people about how you can register for that. It's an important topic in our community and one that uh, I think that a lot of people will want to learn more about. And I'm going to say last but not very least, before our break, I wanted to mention that the um, Arlington Street Community Center has free pre-K readiness um, has a free pre-K readiness activity group, and that's something which starts um, next week, actually, Mondays and Wednesdays, starting on October 7th from 8.30 to 10, and it helps kids who are not yet in kindergarten um, get ready for school. So it's a really great program, and you can find out more about that very easily by just uh, contacting Megan, who's the executive director, the director over at the Arlington Street Community Center, and her number is 204-5303. All right, so that about is the sum and substance of it. I want to take our first break now. After the break, we'll be back with my colleague Liz Fitzgerald from United Way. And um, our show is brought to you by Edstone Properties. Edstone Properties is one of our community's premier builders, and we're so grateful for their sponsorship. Um, you're listening to the United Way Community Connection Show, and I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. Edgestone Properties is a leading home builder in southern New Hampshire. With over 33 years' experience, Edgestone offers highly valued residential homes, including first-time buyer, luxury move-up, and senior community opportunities. Edgestone also offers well-located rental apartments, including active adult communities. Visit us at edgestoneproperties.com or call us at 603-889-5208 to learn more. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. That's 603-889-5208. Since 1930, United Way of Greater Nashua has been your trusted partner to fight for the health, education, and financial stability of every person in every community. When a low-income child needs access to dental care or parents need quality after-school programs where their kids can learn and be safe, United Way is there. When a person with disabilities needs a supportive day program where they can thrive or a family loses its home and needs a place to regain financial stability, United Way is there. When a homebound senior needs food and supportive social connections or when it comes time to die with dignity, United Way is there. The programs supported by your United Way are the heart and soul of Greater Nashua. When you volunteer or donate to United Way, you lift up the community where you live and you work. As a highly regarded nonprofit with Charity Navigator and GuideStar, you can be sure that your donations will be used for the work of making Greater Nashua stronger, smarter, and safer. Learn more and connect with us at unitedwaynashua.org. It's flu season, and this nasty bug affects many Americans each year. American Medical Response wants to give you some safety tips so you can avoid the flu. The best thing to do is to get your flu shot now. Wash your hands thoroughly and regularly. Try not to touch your eyes, nose, and mouth. Avoid contact with other people who are sick. And if you do get the flu, plenty of water, rest, and avoid going out are the things you need to do. Check out more safety tips at amr.net slash safety. AMR medics are here for you every hour of every day. Mm -hmm. 
Well, good Monday morning. You are listening to the United Way Community Connection Show. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. We're here each and every Monday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. talking with the nonprofits in our community, organizations that are working day in and day out to make our community a place which is a stronger, smarter, safer, healthier, and happier place for all of us to live and work. I'm joined today in the studio by my friend and colleague, Liz Fitzgerald. Liz is at United Way, the Director of Community Impact. And um, as I said before the break, amongst other things, many other things, Liz helps to head up our community needs assessment process and our community investment process um, with support some from volunteers and board members. So Liz, welcome to our show. Thank you, Mike. Good morning. Well, good morning. I think this is the first time we've been together on the radio. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's a little weird. It is a little weird, right? You know, because normally we're like sitting across from each other at a table talking, and now we're actually doing the same thing, except there's like the radio and the world between us. Lots of equipment. And you went up to Maine for your for the weekend to uh, take care, to see Ben? I did. It was friends and family weekend at his college, and so we uh, had a really fun time up there. Beautiful weather. Yeah. Awesome football game. Oh, was it homecoming for them as well? Um, I'm not sure. They call it Friends and Family Weekend. I'm not sure yeah. if that's also homecoming, but they have a new football team. It's only like two years um, playing, and they took on a really tough competitor and really held their own. So it was Fantastic. Awesome. Go UNE. <laughs> <laughs> Go UNE. Yeah, I know. It's homecoming weekend this coming weekend at UNH, and our daughter and her bunch of her friends are going to be sort of slumming at our place for the weekend, you know, Excellent. so we'll, we'll see how that goes anyway. So we wanted to talk about the community assessment and the community investment process. And I always tell people, this is kind of sort of the secret sauce of United way is, um, the way we look at the community and then we, in, way we invest back into it. Um, of course, I don't know as much about it as you do, so I was hoping that maybe we can talk to a little bit today about how this whole cycle kind of works. Where does it start? What does the process look like? And what and what's the end result? So okay, I'm going to sure. say, why don't we talk? start out by talking about the community assessment process, if you don't mind. Okay, so um, um, we are a United Way that shares a mission, you know, across the country, across the continent, and in some ways across the globe. But each United Way is its own organization, and local people run United Way, and um, it's fueled by many volunteer hours. And one of the things that we do is look very carefully at the particular community. For us, it's Greater Nashua, and figure out, you know, where are the uh, challenges our community faces and what can we do as a community to wrap around those challenges and make some investments that can make a difference. So the needs assessment pulls in data from a lot of like local and uh, and in some ways national resources that tell us how our community's doing, how we compare to other like-sized communities, um, what are people experiencing? What does our demographics look like? And um, who, which are the people that are most impacted by the challenges? So um, we pull that data together, um, and that sort of data gathering is part one. And then part two is we go out into the community and share that data with a lot of different people who live and work here and ask them, you know, how does this data resonate with them? Do they agree with it? Do they see other needs that aren't reflected in the data? Because, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we're going to take the money that we ra raise through United Way and invest it in programs that will make a change. Um, so we want to make sure that we're investing those things that people feel are the most important things we should be investing in. So 
um, that's the process. We do that, um, you know, kind of in an ongoing way, but really particularly around our investment process, which happens every three years. Yeah. So um, maybe you could share some of the, what are some of the highlights um, that came through from this year's community assessment data? Anything in particular stand out for you as like a, like a real significant need, something that we really need to address in our community um, or more than one thing that, that, that pops out for you? Yeah. So I think that um, a lot of people um, mentioned the need for um, um, behavioral supports and, um, and uh, worries that children are having um, in the early grades. They're dealing with a lot of stress and a lot of trauma. Um, I think probably in some ways fueled by the opioid crisis and other things. Um, but the kids, there isn't enough support in in, uh, in resources, not only in the state but across the country, so uh, to access behavioral health. So, so uh, parents recognize that, educators recognize that, uh, community um, uh, service organizations uh, recognize that as a gap and a need, a uh, significant need. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it's hard because we're, we're really broad braced and right. all the needs are important. Um, but I think that, uh, uh, supporting kids, supporting, um, access to those behavioral health resources was a little bit across the board through all of the communities. Yeah. Well, I think the research kind of bears it out that, you know, if you invest in youth, that has one of the best long-term returns of any yeah. of the areas you can, you can yeah. focus on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what about um, housing? Did that come out at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, housing's been out for a long time. So um, it's it is one of the biggest stressors for most families. The uh, we rank pretty low on um, or pretty high, depending on how you think about it, on the uh, communities where people are paying more than 30 percent of their income mm. towards their housing needs. The um, the. Uh, a lot of people recognize not only that um, low uh, low income housing or low cost housing is not available in the rental market, but no rental housing is available. The um, occupation rates are really, um, really, really low. So apartments come on the market and go almost in the same day, and there just isn't enough st- housing stock. Yeah. Um, so that puts the prices really high, and it makes it hard for people who are at the lower end of the wage scale to um, make ends meet. They're, you know, pulling money out of other really critical portions of their budget um, to, you know, pay for their housing, like food costs, like right. transportation costs, like uh, child care costs. Yeah, I think one of the things which in the last month or so has come out that that hit me as struck me as kind of interesting was you know there was there was a survey that was released that showed that New Hampshire as a whole has one of the lowest poverty rates in the country, and at the same time we know that there is an extreme ho- poverty uh, extreme housing crisis, and um, of all people like. You know, I'm not a huge AOC fan, but sometimes she comes up with some interesting concepts. And one of them is how we measure poverty is actually um, relative. And but at a, but the federal way to measure poverty is not relative. It's yes, like you yeah. are what you are, no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. And um, you know what a living wage in Nashua is is not the same as what a living wage, you know, in Wilton is. Nor is it 
the same as what it is in San Francisco. And and you see the results in different places. So um, I think you've pointed that out to me as, as, as well. And I, then recently, like a week ago, there was another study that came out that said at the same time, the gap, the disparity between rich and poor has grown in New Hampshire more rapidly than most other places in the country. Yes, yeah, I agree with that. And I think in some ways in communities where there is a big gap between um, wealthy and people who are not um, um, earning enough to support their needs, um, when you live in a sort of wealthy community, I, I think it's even harder to live at the poverty level than right. it is when sort of everybody in your neighborhood is experiencing the same things and the community focuses on those things. Um, it's hard f- for poverty to be invisible in our community. Right. Uh, the expectations are higher. Um, what your kids see <laughs> as a norm for their classmates in terms of the type of sneakers they have and mm-hmm. all of that can just really compound a uh, parents' ability to, you know, feel good about their life at where, wherever they're at. So yeah. it's really challenging. It is challenging. So then you have all this data, and you compile it into this massive document we call it a needs assessment. Try and summarize and distill it down. But we use that to drive our investment process. Yeah. And so right. maybe we could talk a little bit about what is that because we did a lot of work around that this over the entire summer, and yeah. through volunteers and mm-hmm. maybe. Um, Kind of talk about what does that look like as yeah, so, overall. So what, what I said about United Way being a sister organization to all the other United Ways is that we have this strategic framework. And United Ways believe that communities are strong when all of the people have access to the basic building blocks of a good quality of life. And those are health. You know, you need your health. You need a good education that leads to um, a family-supporting income. And if you have those things, you know, troubles happen, things happen, health issues happen. However, you'll be able to get through. But when those those basic building blocks are not in place, you're Mm -hmm. really going to struggle. So we build our community investment process around those building blocks. So we have uh, three impact areas, one for health, one for education, and one for economic um, mobility or economic self-sufficiency. And those three building blocks, we we take the resources that we gather through donations, through special events, through, I'm sure your listeners have heard a lot about all of the things that we do to raise Mm -hmm. money, through support from corporations locally, through employees at corporations who give through their payroll. There's a lot of ways that we raise money in the community. And that money goes into what we call the community impact fund. And then after we do the needs assessment, we match that up to our impact areas and decide our board and the um, volunteers that are in our community investment and needs assessment, you know, kind of think about what's the best use of the resources that we have, where can we, you know, make some gains for our community and and where Uh, frankly is momentum among the people like where do the community members feel like we have to make some changes and we invest the dollars that we receive um, into programs and services that are um, in our community doing good work that apply to us for funding so um, sometime in May we put out an RFP 
um, around that framework and say, well, what are you doing? Um, how can we help you? They apply to us. And this is open to pretty much any nonprofit. Any in the nonprofit community. can yeah. apply, right? And, you know, we, we share our strategic framework so people have to kind of fit into that. Mm -hmm. And they also have to be able to measure their success. So we look at outcomes, results of the programming. So, you know, it doesn't matter how many. Um, you know, counseling sessions you have, but can you show that through counseling your kids are staying in school and graduating? Or those are the outcomes that we want to see. Mm -hmm. So um, each of our um, um, areas have specific community level um, impacts that we're going for as a community. Right. And then um, our agencies apply and say, this this is what we're, this is our goal. This is how we're achieving that goal. And uh, these are the activities that we're going to do to help people to achieve these goals. And, um, and so uh, we've got a core of volunteers who review those proposals that come in from the agencies over the summer. Um, they, um, they can access it online, so uh, they do their reading, their homework, kind of right. uh, learning about the programs. Then, then the agencies come before us. They bring their program directors and um, folks that do the work um, for a question and answer session with our volunteers um, to, you know, fill in any gaps that were missing in the proposal and help people um, understand. Then, our um, assessment committee. Yeah. Um, kind of uh, decides how much money each of those um, impact areas is going to have to distribute. And then the volunteers make those decisions. It's not easy. It's not an easy process. I know. I sat in on some of yeah. those meetings. I say I would say also, um, you know, big shout out to those volunteers. There were probably, what were that, 45 of them? It was a lot. Yeah, there were, there were a lot that um, each panel had about a dozen um, that looked at um, you know, every proposal that came in and, uh, you know, the health panel was huge. Mm -hmm. There was probably 25 proposals in that bucket. Um, right. so, you know, they, they do a lot of work and they were so diligent and so right. committed. Um, ev there was no slacking off. <laughs> Everybody right. did the homework when everyone else was at the beach this summer, those panel volunteers were, um, on their phones or on their computers reviewing proposals, um, pretty detailed proposals about, yeah. um, how best to invest these community dollars. So, and, um, we don't have really time. Plus, I don't know off the top of my head all the volunteers, but a couple that really deserve a special shout out are the leaders of those committees. So oh, sure, yeah. Bob, Bob Mack headed up the uh, Financial Stability Economic Mobility Panel. Yep. Um, Deb, Deb Novotny, Novotny for did, Health for from health. Um, Enterprise Bank. And um, Mike um, Martinez. Martinez from uh, North Face uh, Property Management. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, and, if, and all of it is sort of brought together by the chair of that investment committee at United Way, which is Jay Dinkle, also from Enterprise Bank. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Jay, Jay has put in uh, untold hours yeah. of helping to set the framework for that and making sure that we have a good mix of panelists and volunteers. I'd also like to recognize yeah. Sarah Caesar from yeah. her staff who really helped to diversify the group of people that were um, part of the panels and bring in young voices and people from all different socioeconomic um, groups and different walks of life. 
um, so that we could uh, really reflect the community in the decisions that we made. I can imagine years ago that these this was more it was a very different environment for making these decisions. It was like I, I have this picture of like a smoke filled room with with a bunch of white guys wearing ties and and talking about how they're going to like sort of in a very paternalistic way give out the money well well, a lot of the world works like that Mike well I know it does I know it does and it horrifies me every time I think about it but it but boy it was not that way this time and it was really fantastic no yeah it was really great and the volunteers were very committed and um, asked great questions and really uh, took every dollar seriously about where it could go and where could you know, United Way have the most um, impact with uh, the limited resources that we have. That's great. Now, I know we can't talk publicly about what those decisions were because we haven't even notified all of the agencies yet, so we won't do that. Award letters are going out today, and then we'll be posting it on our website and um, also uh, through our portal so that um, there will be, like, full transparency where the funding is going and um, how all of the people who contribute to United Way make an important difference to all of those agencies. But we want to make sure that agencies hear about it first. (laughs) Absolutely. That's only fair so liz great job um we're about out of time you know that it flies by really fast but um thank you so so much i know right it's not so scary um i really appreciate you coming in today and spending some time talking with folks about uh, this want to share this information with people it's a little bit behind the scenes of united way but i think it's really important and what drives our um ability to do good things I, I agree. Sometimes it's important to know how the sausage is made. Yes. So what we're going to do now is take a break. And um, if you have more questions about this process, by the way, you can always reach out to Liz at United Way. Um, if you call United Way's office and ask for Liz, there's only one person who's going to get that call, and that's Liz. Yeah, absolutely. So we're a small staff, and um, I'm sure she'd love to talk with you more about that. After the break. Also, if you'd like oh, to yeah. volunteer. Oh, yes, absolutely. You can absolutely. always use volunteers, both on the, the data gathering side and the reaching out to people side and yeah. also the um, investment side. Fantastic. Very good. And um, anything volunteering related, you can also always talk to Sarah as well. Um, or me, I don't know. One of us will be able to get you, get you connected. So after the break, we're going to be back with Nancy Paul. Nancy's from the Friends Program. This is their first time on the show. And we're going to learn a little bit more about what they're doing to make our world uh, just a little bit better of a place. Um, our show is brought to you by Edstone Properties, one of our community's premier builders. We're very, very appreciative for your support. And we'll be back in just a minute or two. You're listening to the United Way Community Connection Show. And I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. Hi. I'm Tony Joyce from Joyce Cooling and Heating. Now that summer is over, it's time to start thinking about upgrading your existing heating system to a new Lennox high-efficiency furnace, a Renai high-efficiency boiler, or a Mitsubishi high-efficiency heat pump. These new systems are much more reliable and will save you energy. At Joyce Cooling and Heating, we can install a system that will keep your home warm and comfortable. Don't wait until you have no heat. Call Joyce Cooling and Heating at 882-4244 or on the web at JoyceCool.com. 
WSMN 1590, Nashua's source for news, talk, music, and books on a Friday night. This is Elaine Holden reminding you to tune in to The Holding Hour on Thursday mornings from 10 to 11. I will be talking about barriers to learning. See you then. Edgestone Properties is a leading home builder in southern New Hampshire. With over 33 years experience, Edgestone offers highly valued residential homes, including first-time buyer, luxury move-up, and senior community opportunities. Edgestone also offers well-located rental apartments, including active adult communities. Visit us at edgestoneproperties.com or call us at 603-889-5208 to learn more. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. That's 603-889-5208. Since 1930, United Way of Greater Nashua has been your trusted partner to fight for the health, education, and financial stability of every person in every community. When a low-income child needs access to dental care, or parents need quality after-school programs where their kids can learn and be safe, United Way is there. When a person with disabilities needs a supportive day program where they can thrive or a family loses its home and needs a place to regain financial stability, United Way is there. When a homebound senior needs food and supportive social connections, or when it comes time to die with dignity, United Way is there. The programs supported by your United Way are the heart and soul of Greater Nashua. When you volunteer or donate to United Way, you lift up the community where you live and you work. As a highly regarded nonprofit with Charity Navigator and GuideStar, you can be sure that your donations will be used for the work of making Greater Nashua stronger, smarter, and safer. Learn more and connect with us at unitedwaynashua.org. The Village Network was created for only one reason, to keep those 62 and older in their home as long as possible, ideally for the rest of their life. The Village Network is the answer for children who do not live nearby and worry about their parents being able to remain independently and safely at home. The Village Network has a network of trusted providers and volunteers who provide transportation, home repair, home-delivered meals, grocery shopping, and others who are there to help when you need them. We can even find someone to walk your dog. The Village Network does not charge thousands of dollars of upfront costs for services you may never need. With the Village Network, you only pay for services when you need them. Become a member of the Village Network today by calling 603 891 Zero 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 eight. That's six zero three eight nine one zero 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 eight. The Village Network. Become a member today. Well, good Monday morning. You're listening to the United Way Community Connection Show. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. We are here each and every Monday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. talking with nonprofits that serve our community, organizations that are working hard to make this a place where we can um, live and work that is better and smarter, stronger, safer, healthier, and happier. Um, today I'm joined in the studio with uh, Nan by Nancy Paul. Nancy is the executive director for an organization called the Friends Program. First time on the show. And Nancy, we're so glad to have you here today to talk a little bit about what you're doing in the community. Thank you very much, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a wonderful service you do with the show. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I should mention also to folks that our show is live, um, not just on the radio, but also on Facebook. If you um, are in an area where you can't get the radio reception or you're in your office, um, you can just go to the United Way of Greater Nashua Facebook page and pick up the live feed there as well. So Nancy, um, why don't you in a nutshell maybe tell our audience just a little bit about what is the Friends Program and what are you guys doing? You bet. Uh, the Friends Program is a local New Hampshire nonprofit. Our uh, headquarters is in Concord and we have programs throughout eight of ten New Hampshire counties. And we connect at-risk kids, 
homeless families and seniors with people who can support them. And the way that we do that is through mentoring programs. We have a homeless shelter for families that's located in Concord, and we also have senior volunteer programs. And I'm here today to talk a little bit about our foster grandparent program, which is our bigger program in the greater Nashua area. And the foster grandparent program puts uh, older adults in classrooms under the direction of a teacher to help support kids who are at risk. Um, provides them with emotional support and yeah. helps them make gains in literacy and math. So when we're talking about um, kids, first of all, let's make sure I understand what you're talking about is kids under the age of 18, I presume. That is correct. Yep. So are these kids that are um, identified, um, at, they're identified by DHHS, they're actually in the system, if you will? So some of them are. We have a host of things. We have a lot of flexibility with the uh, target students that our foster grandparents are working with. Some of them might be um, identified with IEPs. Some of them might be a kid who's maybe going through some stuff, but uh, we have children of incarcerated parents, kids in foster care. Um, we have kids with medical needs. And we also have a lot of kids who simply don't have someone who's paying attention to them at home and really need someone who can pay some additional support um, and attention to the child. So um, the teacher identifies the kids that might need some support um, to make gains or a child who maybe is struggling to get along and they assign the foster grandparent those children and the foster grandparents work with the kids on uh, whatever it is that that child's trying to make gains for. Do they? But they don't live with the foster grandparent. That is correct. Yeah, that's a common misconception. The, mm -hmm. the name dates back to 1964 and right. the war on poverty, so there's not a lot we can do about the name of the program. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, and, and I think also the, the confusion on that increases as um, more and more grandparents are taking care of their kids mm -hmm. um, as a result of the opioid crisis. Um, no, they actually work with kids in classrooms. They work with them in Nashville. We work with the Boys and Girls Club. We work mm -hmm. with the uh, Broad Street School with Norman Crisp, um, Fairgrounds, Mount Pleasant. So a lot of different schools in the area. Okay, so what would a foster grandparent then actually do? Because I do know that we have people who are probably grandparents listening to the show and might want to figure out how they can give back. <laughs> That's right. And uh, some of them, maybe your grandparents are far away. This is a yeah. great way for you to spend some quality time with uh, kids who need some support. Right, right. Um, so the bulk of our volunteers are working with K-3. to um, When you are in kindergarten to third grade, that's the opportunity to make gains that can actually result in a more likelihood of graduating from high school. Um, and so we work with kids. Typically, there's a couple of different things that they'll do. They'll work to do sort of flashcards, read aloud. Um, they'll work with the kids sometimes to help them figure out how to use money, um, basic math skills and um, a lot of times there's also foster grandparents who are simply working with social and emotional support so if you have a kid who's in foster care or who has been um, from a background that's really troubled um, they might be acting out in class so a foster grandparent can sit next to them and just uh, figure out when they're having a bad day and what it is that they need to be able to refocus on the task that they're the rest of the classroom is doing um, so that they have the opportunity to um, you know, become successful. So they're not lost and sent down to the principal's office. They have that right. extra person who's paying attention to them. And, uh, you know, they always say sometimes um, their whole job is to essentially just uh, remind the kids of what it is they're supposed to be doing and give them an opportunity to talk about how they're feeling. Yeah. How many parent, grandparents, well, what, what does the need look like to you from your perspective? Because I'm assuming you need probably more volunteers. You probably have more need than you have volunteers currently. So yeah. how, how many volunteers typically would you say are 
are needed to run the program effectively in, in Nashua? Yeah. Um, so in Nashua, I think we're looking at um, roughly 30 to 40 volunteers needed. Um, and at the moment, um, we are nowhere close to that number. Yeah. Um, last year, our volunteers served more than 7,000 hours in Nashua schools. Um, and the uh, opportunity exists. Both, we always have schools that reach out to us and say, you know, we could use an older adult volunteer. Um, we also have um, teachers who've worked with us in the past when their foster grandparents um, are no longer able to serve. They're, they're looking for somebody else to come in because they find that service so valuable. Um, and as the number of kids that the school is working with with needs have increased, we find that the need for our program also has increased. So schools are being asked to do more with fewer resources resources so we can become that extra resource in a classroom. Um, we had a teacher locally who told us that um, without that extra pair of hands to kind of help her figure out how to get through her day, um, she yeah. didn't know how she would make her classroom run after having the, the resource. So. And what grade levels are you typically in with your with your foster grandparents? So we can serve every grade level. It really okay. depends upon the interest of the volunteer. So we have some foster grandparents who really prefer to work in preschool, um, and yeah. we're glad to connect them with anywhere um, from... In, we have uh, one foster grandparent who really likes the infant room. <laughs> um, but any grade level that the foster grandparent likes, yeah. most of them prefer to work with elementary school. Yeah. Um, and uh, we try to look for a volunteer that will meet whatever the school's needs are. Okay. Yep. How many hours a week typically um, does one put in? Yeah, the average is 10 to 15 hours. Um, we have some foster grandparents, they can't serve more than 40. Um, and we have some foster grandparents who do serve 40 hours a week, every wow. week, 52 weeks a year. That's um, a lot. That's a lot of volunteering. <laughs> Very impressive. And um, the average, a lot of people say they want to start with 10 and then they end up increasing it over time because the kids come running to them when they enter the classroom. Um, and um, it's a great way for older adults to really um, have an opportunity to put their skills to work um, and you know we had a, a foster grandparent who told us she was working with a really difficult second grader mm -hmm. and he was really struggling and um, he was someone who's very disruptive in the classroom and the foster grandparent was assigned to him and she didn't feel like she was making any headway and then he came running up to her one morning when she walked into the classroom and he gave her a big hug and she said, oh, am I allowed to do this? You know? <laughs> and yeah. she went and talked to the teacher and the teacher said, not only are you allowed to do that, that might be the only hug that kid's going to have this month. Um, yeah. And um, because she had such a great relationship and he perceived her to be um, really supportive, that child was actually able to make gains back to grade level. Um, this was a student who'd been behind grade level and was able to make the gains because there was somebody that he trusted um, who was on his side uh, next to him as he tried to do the work. That's really fantastic. I mean, in this day and age where we have limited budgets and constraints on, you know, how much you know, large class sizes and teachers who are just stretched thin and paras who are maybe stretched thin as well, this is really just a fantastic way to augment all of that um, in an educational setting. That's right. And uh, we also have some uh, foster grandparents who work with the after-school population. So they help kids okay. finish their homework at the end of the day, um, give them somebody else to talk to. So um, like um, Boys and Girls Club. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, yep. 21st century as well? We have 21C, but we haven't had any 21C in Nashua recently. Yeah. But yeah, so it varies depending upon the, the interest of the, the volunteer. Yeah. 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 I was going to say my daughter um, was the... Uh, uh, 
director over at, over at Dr. Crisp for a couple of years for the 21st Century Program. And I, um, I think that would be really great over there. Yeah, and, and we're ready. So if, yeah. if there's a volunteer out here there who thinks that that's a great way to spend their time, please, please, please let us know because we'd love to yeah. connect you with some kids who need help. Fantastic. So I was on your website while we were talking, and it's pretty easy to find. I, lo- I love people who are uncreative when they come up to their naming of their websites like me. Like it's United <laughs> Way, so it's unitedway.org, right? Your friends org. Correct. Perfect. I'm glad you snagged <laughs> the, the most easy. logical URL around, but it's <laughs> friendsprogram.org. One of the things I noticed right off the bat, I'm just going to point this out because yeah, sure. I think it's important, is um, you have on your website the, the GuideStar Platinum Seal of Approval. Yeah. And um, um, we do as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of times people don't realize how important it is that nonprofits are transparent and accountable. Yeah. And there are organizations out there like GuideStar or um, Charity Navigator that, that provide that as a service. So I'm glad to see that you have that very prominent. I know what that means is that uh, you have policies and practices that are in place that help you to run well as an organization to be accountable to your donors and the programs you run. That's right. Yeah, we try to be a high-impact program in terms of the impact that our volunteers and our programs are having on the people who receive services from us. And we also try to make sure that we're stewarding people's money as effectively as possible in the same way the United Way does. Yeah, Absolutely. And you also have your sponsors there identified as well, which is also very important. We always (laughs) need to thank our sponsors. I do recognize a couple of them. Merrimack County Savings Bank is a big partner of ours also in in the community, yeah. so they're they're great. Yeah, they're a wonderful community partner. Yep. So, um, there. If you want to learn about more about volunteering or donating, a website is probably the best way to do that. You bet. Friendsprogram.org. Um, you can uh, also call our central line, which is 603-228-1193. Okay. Um, or you can email fgp at friendsprogram.org. Foster grandparents. FGP at that, friendsprogram.org. Do you do any kind of annual fundraising programs or events? We do. We have an annual fundraising gala um, April in April April twenty. 5th, um, and that takes place in Concord because, as I said, our programs are statewide. Um, and uh, so that will you'll hear more about the gala coming up in this. That's spring. Saturday, yeah. April 18th. April, <laughs> April 25th. 25th, yeah. I only know that. <laughs> I was just going to ask. Yes, <laughs> we, we scheduled a youth sleep out, um, a youth homelessness sleep out on April 17th and 18th. So, Outstanding. So after you've. So I'll you, come down for that. <laughs> yeah, after you've recovered from yep. sleeping in the box on the ground, probably in the snow, then go to the Friends yeah. Program annual gala to support them as well you said it's in concord yes yep yep. fantastic yep and uh i think the other thing too is that that uh programs like the united way really do help us ensure that our programs can be sustainable so um i think the important thing about the united way i heard liz talking earlier is that um, the united way is really focused on what the nashua community needs um so people have this perception that it's a big national organization but it's really focused on what the local community needs and in the case of new hampshire what we need is we need help for um, kids who are in poverty um, kids who are um, victims of what has happened to their parents through the opioid crisis and mm-hmm. even once they're in recovery those kids have childhood trauma that really affects their ability to be successful yeah, in school absolutely there's trauma that people don't even understand don't can't even appreciate i mean I, I was in a school last year one of our local schools and one of the librarians came up to me and told me that um, she had a couple of kids who actually their parents had been deported mm-hmm. and um i was just like wow 
I mean, I, you know, that's just stunning. Like, how do you as a young person deal with that? And this is one of the ways in which you can get through that is to have a supportive um, uh, older person in your life. Yeah. And, and they tell us that um, uh, parents are actually much more comfortable with older adults supporting their kids um, because they feel like it's less threatening. So really important. And that music, Nancy, means that we've run out of time. I could go on and on about this for hours, but your program is awesome. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. It's just been a pleasure. You've been listening to Nancy Paul, Executive Director of the Friends Program. For more information, you can go to friendsprogram.org and learn how to become a foster grandparent or, or supportive in any of their other programs. You are listening to the United Way Community Connection Show. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. We will be back next Monday morning at 9 a.m. for a couple more fantastic interviews. A friend of mine, Kevin Moore from Moore for Vets, will be on. We're also going to have the Gate City Bicycle Co-op giving us an update on what they're doing to help people in Nashua connect to transportation on two wheels. And then the Nashua Theater Guild will be on talking a little bit about what's going on in their lives. Until next week, please remember to be kind to another. Try this again. Please remember to be kind to one another because great things really do happen when we live united. You're listening to 1590 WSMN Nashua. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. President Trump facing criticism after warning that a 